Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Uh, in the UK where we find uh, our first guest for the day, and I'm really pleased we've been chasing this fella for quite some time, and uh, he's been dodging us, but we've finally nailed him. Uh, former <laughs> England captain, uh, distinguished journalist, commentator, uh, you know, it, uh, Michael Atherton's pretty much done everything uh, around England cricket, uh, and now he's the proud father of uh, a son who's playing pretty well too. So uh, really good to catch up with you, Ethers. Uh, good evening to you, UK time. Good evening, mate. I've not been dodging you, as you well know. You just usually kind of send a note with about 10 minutes before the broadcast to say, can you come on? So I'm always happy to speak to you, as you know. Yeah, well, okay. This is about this is about number one favour of the ten you owe me. So let's let's get on with that, <laughs> shall we? Uh, here's, here's the most important thing. This is uh, for me. Uh, this is amazing. Uh, the fallout on, on both sides. I mean, England's was predictable, um, and I think you've uh, you've talked about that in a number of articles and a number of uh, interviews, etc. Uh, but the Australian one is is uh, is quite intriguing. Uh, a big clean out at England. Uh, Paul Collingwood, the interim coach. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, the, the clear out was inevitable, really. I mean, it's it's sad, isn't it? You're talking about people's livelihoods, but England had been so poor for a year or two. Um, the team playing well below its capabilities. I, I don't reckon you can only judge coaches and captains on results because you know you you might have a a team that's less good than the opposition. And as you know, in test cricket over five days, the good team, the better team usually wins out. But if a team's not playing to where it, it should be playing, playing to its potential, then that's where, you know, the captain and coach uh, have to take responsibility. And England have been really poor. They were dreadful in the ashes uh, and really poor for, well, 18 months or so. So there was always going to be some changes. Nobody quite knew who they were going to be, but they've been quite extensive and brutal. Ashley Giles, director of cricket, Chris Silverwood, Graham Thorpe. The one man who survived is the captain, Joe Root, and he, he's probably surviving because of the lack of alternatives more than anything else. Um, and he's been reappointed for the three tests in the Caribbean. Paul Collingwood, who has kind of been around the the coaching setup, he's been an assistant coach to Chris Silverwood, but he wasn't there for most of the Ashes, uh, which was probably a good thing for him. He he went off to the Caribbean and took England's T20 side there. He's respected around the group. Uh, he's He's been a cussed player, as you will remember, from years gone by um, and has got plenty to offer. But it's only an interim position and we'll wait and see um, you know what the more permanent calls are. I suspect England will probably look to split the role because England, England plays so much... And what they did was they loaded the whole thing on Chris Silverwood, who's a relatively inexperienced international coach. And he was coaching across formats and had all the responsibility for selection as well. And it was just too much for one man in the end. Uh, about three months out uh, from uh, the Ashes, way, way back, I think around about September, uh, it, was, uh, it was up in the air as to who would actually be part of the England Tour Party because I remember... Quite uh, quite well at that point that a number of senior players were concerned about uh, not getting families there and, and having to go through isolation, et cetera, et cetera. 
And I just wondered at that point, uh, right there and then, uh, who was uh, who was running the cutter and and uh, if, if things have changed to you know obviously uh, it's a long time since I played, but that kind of thing was unheard of. Is that the norm now that players have that kind of say? I think I mean if you're talking about the kind of relationship between captain and coach and who wields the power, it, it's something cricket hasn't quite come to terms with, is it? Because, I mean, coaching is relatively recent in the game. It's only, what, mid-late 80s that teams started to have their first full-time professional coaches. I think Mickey Stewart was England's in 1986, Bobby Simpson for Australia about the same time. And cricket is a long way behind other sports in that regard. If you think of rugby and football and all the American sports... Their coaches were to the fore a long way before then and were the dominant authority, dominant voice uh, around a team. Whereas cricket has had a more curious relationship, hasn't it? Because, the, you know, the captain, six hours on the field, he, he's the one who runs the show. So where, where does the balance of power lie uh, between captain and coach? And, and really, that's at the heart of, of all these changes, I think, that you've seen in the last in the last few weeks across both sides of the world, really. I mean, it's curious England get hammered in the ashes but keep their captain and Australia win the ashes, win the World T20 um, and, and, dismiss, and dismiss their coach. So that, that is something the game has not quite come to terms with yet. I mean, COVID's added an extra complication, as you say. I mean, England really probably should have put their foot down a bit harder at the start of the tour because... New South Wales and Victoria were open for business and Queensland wasn't. And they ended up having two weeks of lockdown and it ended up pouring down as well. And so they got to the Gabba completely underprepared. So Andrew uh, Strauss, Andrew Strauss has come in now um, and he's uh, what taken over the Giles role as, as director of cricket as well as being the hatchet man. Is that correct at the moment? <laughs> well, yeah, he's the interim director of cricket. And of course, he held that position before Ashley Giles did himself and, and Andrew only stepped down because of family circumstances. His wife, you know, as you'd remember, died tragically young uh, from cancer. So he stepped away from that role. Ashley Giles came in and now in a bit of a crisis situation, Strauss always seems to be the man to, to be called upon in a crisis situation. He's back again, but he stressed that he's only doing it for the, the short term for an interim period. So his main thing really is to get the Caribbean tour done and dusted. So they're picking a team, they'll announce it tomorrow um, and they'll go to the Caribbean for three tests. And then England don't play a test match until June then. So they've got about three or four months. And it's really in that period of time, Strauss will make the key appointment, which is the next director of cricket, because it will then be that person who starts to decide on coaching structures, personnel, long-term future of the captain, Joe Root. Um, so there's a kind of an immediate short-term necessity to get through the next tour and then decide on who the director of cricket is going to be because it will be that man or woman who will make the, the key decisions after that. The reappointment or the continued support of Joe Root is uh, very interesting to me. I, I, I'm I'm at a loss to some of those decisions, selectorial and tactically, that he made right from the very first morning at the Gabba, and, and it just seemed to continue throughout. Uh, and as you say, there's uh, probably no real replacement as such. I mean, I, I go back to the old days. Remember way, way back when they hauled Mike Brearley back in to sort out a rebel? <laughs> well, he's cracking on a bit now, Brears, so he might struggle a bit at 85 <laughs> or something. <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. At the end of the Ashes, I, I wrote, I mean, I'm not a knee-jerk, you know, hang them high 
type of pundit or writer, as, as you'd know, but I just thought that, you know, they all had to go after it, really. It was so bad, the Ashes. But then when you think about it, you know, there's a pragmatic reality there. They've got rid of three, uh, got rid of three names. And, you know, if you're going to say get rid of Joe Root, you've got to come up with an alternative. And it's not mm. easy to do. You've got Stuart Broad, who's right at the end of his career. Maybe he could do it for a, a short period of time. You've got Ben Stokes, who's the obvious candidate. But, you know, he's only just come back into cricket. He had four months off last summer, you know, looking after his mental health and various fractured fingers and, and, and bodily ailments after quite a hard three or four years on the road. So it is not easy, actually, to come up with alternatives. There's nobody in county cricket who stands out as a Brearley-type figure that you're mentioning. So it's really that default position that that's why I think that they've got rid of some of the others to, to kind of then allow Joe Root almost a freshish start with some new people around him. But, you know, whether a new director of cricket comes in, he might think completely differently and might just say, well, we need a, we need a fresh captain as well. That, that, would be, that would be that person's call then. Uh, you would have read uh, reports and uh, even uh, I think there was a quote as to uh, Andrew Strauss. Andrew Strauss is not discounting the possibility of Justin Langer jumping the fence. I mean, England have had a history, a history going back to 1999 when uh, you played and Duncan Fletcher was the first overseas coach, Andy Flower. Uh, and then, of course, Trevor Bayliss, who was very good. He, he got them in the World Cup in 2019. So it's not against go against the grain exactly for England to do that, as perhaps it would be in Australia. So what of the possibility there? You're right. I mean, many of well, England's best coaches since the turn of the century have been uh, from abroad. Fletcher, you mentioned Flower, Bayliss, those are the three. And the, the English coaches that they've chosen, Peter Moore's had two cracks at it, Chris Silverwood has just had a go. They've not been as successful. And it often is the way that when you move from coach to coach, you almost you go from one extreme to the other. So it may well be that England look abroad uh, for their next coach. I mean, Justin Langer, in terms of England, has got some things going for it. You know, he's played county cricket. He played at Middlesex. He played at Somerset. Um, he's known to have liked his time in county cricket. He knows Andrew Strauss very well. They played together at Middlesex and have a high regard for each other. Um, and he's the kind of character, I suppose, that I think England are looking for alongside Root, who is quite, you know, laid back, uh, quite amiable. I think they're looking for somebody with a harder, tougher edge. Uh, which obviously Justin Langer certainly has. But against that, you know, there'd be so many candidates out there that Strauss would be thinking of and want to talk to. Would would Langer want to do it? I mean, you know, he's an, he's an Aussie through and through. He kind of bleeds green and gold, really. And he's just had four month, four years on the road in a hard job. And he's only just got back to Western Australia for the first time in about six months, given given the quarantine situation there. So, you know, I think it's a long way from a given that, that he's a strong runner for the job. But, you know, you can see you could see a scenario where it would be quite a good fit as well. Uh, regardless of who gets the job in uh, the, the long term, OK, it's Collingwood now. Uh, one of the things that, which was quite distressing to watch, uh, Athers, is uh, the lack of batting quality uh, that England were able to find on relatively good surfaces. I know Australia's a very fine bowling attack, but the resistance, uh, particularly at the top of the order, uh, was very, very poor indeed. Why? Why? Um, why has that happened? I, a lot of people have been saying uh, the focus on white ball cricket in England. Is, is that for you the problem? 
Good question. How long have you got? I mean, you're right to say that batting standards are poor. I mean, in, in, in English first-class cricket now, they're as low as I've seen for some time, and that manifested itself in the Ashes. On, on quite sporty pitches, I have to say. I've not been to Australia and seen pitches that have moved off the deck as much as they did. Probably four of the five pitches were quite seamer-friendly for, for Australia, uh, obviously, they've got a very strong and high-class bowling attack as well. But you, you're right. I think I'm not so sure it's the it's the white ball cricket, just the white ball cricket. But it's it's a combination of factors, really, because because we've got a lot of white ball cricket in the heart of the English summer. So you know, a lot of July and August is taken up now with the Blast and the Hundred. It's pushed the county championship to the margins of the season. So I mean, a couple of years ago, we did. Uh, there's a five-day game at the end of our season that was named after Bob Willis, who you will remember very well and played against mm. a lot as Bob Willis Trophy. And that was played in October. I mean, you know, we're virtually into winter. And the first-class season started at the end of March last year. So you've got a lot of first-class cricket being played at the margins of the season, which is leading to a certain type of first-class cricket where spinners are almost redundant, where slow seamers are holding sway, a type of cricket that is a long way distant from the type of cricket that you play at the highest level. So, I mean, we play a lot of first-class cricket, as you know, in, in England. I think there's an appetite to actually reduce that and try and up the intensity of it. But if, you, if you're going to do that, it has to be played in the summer months. I mean, that sounds a bit ridiculous to say, but... You know, as I say, a lot of cricket's being played March, April, September. You've got to start playing some of it in the months of June and July when you're getting better pitches and better conditions. Uh, but it, it's going to be a, you know, it's not going to be a straightforward process to put right. These things take a bit of time. So better pitches played at a better time of year, hopefully somehow getting a more condensed and intense tournament uh, county championship w would help in the long run, I think. And also these things come and go in cycles. You know what it's like. You I just don't. have cycles when, when the game is good and not so good. And we just happen to be in one of those downturns at the moment. <laughs> oh, well, let's hope it uh, has an up, up swing. Perhaps um, about September after New Zealand have been there for three tests. So uh, we'd, <laughs> we'd like to have a little bit of success. Uh, hey, it was always great catching up with you, mate. Um, and finally being Are able you to coming over this summer down. or not? Oh, I don't know yet. I, I haven't made up my mind yet. I'm still, you know, the offer is a lovely one from your great mate Hendo, but it's it's the thought of spending, um, you know, that much time with Hussein that worries me. That's the thing, you know. <laughs> well, it would be great so, to see if you come, as always. Yeah, it'll be nice. It'll be nice to catch up. We've got plenty to to, to talk about. So, Athos, thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, stay safe, stay well. That's the main thing in these days, uh, these current times. So. Uh, I wish you all the best, and England too. I, I, I like seeing a good England side, so I hope they turn it around. Thank you. Pleasure. Good to talk, Smithy, as always.